Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. How much focus do you put on earning, getting, keeping trust with your employees, with your customers, with your colleagues? That is the way that you turn good managers, good companies into great leaders and brands that people want to do business with and tell others about for your company growth, for sustaining through the long term, even in tough times. I'm banking on the answer is yes, you want to know. And in the spirit of bringing the heart back to business, I'm bringing you a special guest, Joe Folkman, who is an expert in this topic. He wrote a book about the trifecta of trust, and he speaks and writes about it. And I love the topic based on the fact he's collected a mountain of compelling data to make the irrefusable case for the value of trust in leadership. We talk about the core behaviors that create and reinforce trust from others. And by mastering this leadership trust trifecta, you can increase your success and happiness too, both in business and in life. Please share this episode with others who can benefit and contact me for help in doing CX right so that you can have better business outcomes. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Joe Folkman. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. Thank you, Stacey. It's a it's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, I've been reviewing your books, multiple of them, and there's so much to talk about. So 30 minutes is not going to be enough time, but I'm going to try to get it all out here. <laughs> so starting with, first of all, who are you? What do you do professionally? Uh, professionally, I'm a psychometrician. <clears throat> a psychometrician is a psychologist that measures things. When when my youngest was in grade school, he came up one day and he said, Dad, what do you do? And I said, I'm a psychometrician. He said, okay. And he started walking off. I said, why are you asking? And he said, today in school, we're talking about what our moms and dads do, so I'm going to tell him. And so he went to school. I went to work that night. I came home. I said, how would it go at school? He said, good. And I said, did you tell him what I do? He says, yeah, but I could only remember the first part. Psycho. Anyway, so. <laughs> but you know what's good? What's also good is he didn't say fine. It was good, yeah. not fine. Because fine, I don't like fine. <laughs> Mine's no. not good. Oh, I no. love that. Well, I see you have a sense of humor for sure. Yeah, I try. So you've written so much about leadership and trust. Why? Why are you so passionate about these topics? Uh, Early on, what we noticed in our measurements was that people don't really know if they're one of the best leaders in the world or one of the worst. (laughs) And you'd think they would know. But we're the worst judge of of our effectiveness. Other people see it really clearly. And you don't need to be like this 
uh, schooled measurement person or, you know, I mean, you know, when you work for a wonderful leader and you know, you work when you work with a terrible leader. And so other people see it quite clearly. We can get a better picture if we get some kind of an assessment and, and that helps us understand whether we're the worst leader in the world or the best. Mm. What is a fun fact that people may not know about you? Well, uh, my birthday is on April 15th, and that ends up being the tax day in in the U.S. Um, so, you know, my rhythm is I get up in the morning, I write a very large check. <laughs> <laughs> with the rest of the, with the, rest I, of the U.S.? <laughs> uh-huh, and, and it's not fun. And it's, and, but then I have a wonderful dinner with my family, and I try to forget about that check, so... That's tax day. (laughs) Mm. Well, now we will all remember your birthday as well. (laughs) Tell me, the trust trifecta, that's your latest book. What's that about? Yes. I I got fascinated by trust. Uh, I called it my Manhattan Project because I was interested in the smallest behavior with the largest impact. So the Manhattan Project is, of course, when they built the atomic bomb. The atom is incredibly small, but has this stupendous impact. And, you know, I thought trust was similar. Um, You know, just one question, um, are most people trusted, can actually predict the GDP of a country, right? (laughs) Because... Uh, actually, uh, I noticed in Australia, almost 50% of the people say yes to that. In the U.S., it's only 40%, right? But in Sweden and Norway, it's over 70%, right? And their GDP, uh, which is the gross domestic product, which is the wealth or poverty of a nation, is incredibly high. And in Colombia, only about 5% respond positively that say, yes, most Mm. people can be trusted. The GDP is very low. The correlation between GDP and trust is 0.83. It's incredibly high. So this little behavior really predicts whether countries thrive or or suffer. Mm. Uh, And it's an interesting question. And I got fascinated by how people can be more trusted. Mm. I smile here because you talk about GDP and we know that. Have you been hearing about GTP? No, what's that? This AI technology? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gross technical products? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what it stands for. GTP. No, now I'm confusing myself what it's called. But it's artificial intelligence that's booming Mm -hmm. And so my question is, where does this technology affect the trifecta that you are teaching? How do we sustain trust through it? Yeah. yeah. So what I've discovered is there's three sort of what we call pillars or elements that affect how much you're trusted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can, with these three things, dimensions, we can predict your trust, 80% of your trust. And basically, the three pillars are, number one, uh, your relationship 
with others, right? If, if people like you, they tend to trust you. If they don't, they don't. The second one is the, the, your ability to know and understand that technical issues uh, that surround you. And that could be the technology thing, right? That, that if you don't understand, you, you know, your job well, people expect you to know your job. Right. And if you go into a store and, and you ask some clerk, I, I, <laughs> I was in a store the other day and I said, I need that, that thing that connects the, the door to the, the, uh, cabinet, you know, and, and I, I didn't even know what it was called. And, and this kid, young kid, he says, let me lead you to them. And he walked right to them through all this stuff. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. I, I love that when people can do that. So people expect you to know stuff, to, to be competent. I know there's a strong, especially now, a strong kind of a focus to say, sort of fake it till you make it. It doesn't work. <laughs> people know. And the third thing is consistency. And basically, consistency is doing what we say and saying what we do, right? And if you can do those three elements reasonably well, your trust is pretty high. It's at the 80th percentile. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're low on one of them, it really hurts your trust. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, a lot what you said makes sense in customer experience because especially the third one, deliver on the promise. Yes, yes. And that's uh, critical. And when, when people do that, and, and even when you over-deliver, you know, under-promise and over-deliver, don't you love that kind of an experience when you get more than you ask for, right? You know, let me put an extra French yeah. fry in there for you. <laughs> so Yeah, the smallest, smallest gestures can create wow moments, and that builds trust. Right. Now, yeah. what's interesting is, is that from my perspective, when I first started the research, I thought consistency would be the largest factor, right? The number one biggest factor. And the more research I did, I, you know, while it's important, it's one of the trifecta, right? It's one of the three critical elements. The biggest factor is relationships, Right. And, and it's amazing what happens if you like people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you might have, you, you know, you may not always deliver on your promises. But if you have a good relationship, people come back. You know, they go, oh, you're my friend. You blew it the last time, but, I, you know, I'm back here <laughs> because I kind of like you. So, I, I, you know, you think especially today uh, where we're becoming more distanced from our customer, right? <laughs> that interaction is shorter and shorter. But, but uh, I, I went into the DMV, which is the driver, driver motor vehicle uh, kind of department, which is notoriously in the U.S., and a very bad experience, right? I mean, people hate it. They're standing in line. You're there for an hour, two hours, three hours. It's terrible. But, I, you know, I got this person helping me, and she was charming. She smiled. And it made, it made the difference in the whole experience for me. Right. A, and so a that smile. relationship. A smile yeah, yeah. made a difference. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then I, 
got my picture taken and 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 then they told me I had to come back and do it again because the, the picture didn't work. And I said, I broke the camera. And this woman <laughs> said, oh, you didn't really, sir. <laughs> this uh, happens all the time, even to <laughs> ugly people. <laughs> well, going back to Home Depot also, I love how you said that the guy walked you to the product. Think about that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have said Al 14 about halfway down, right? Exactly. He walked me over there <laughs> exactly. and said, here it is. Yes. And then I we, you know, had three or four questions. What's the difference? There's 14 of them, right? What's the difference between these? Which is the best? That kind of thing. You know, most people buy this, sir. <laughs> so he was trained or just intuitively knew what doing customer yeah. experience right means. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love and, that. And, it, you know, it is interesting. Um, uh, you know, I think as people get sold to, you know, I bought a, I bought a new EV uh, in December, actually the, the 29th of December, because there's a tax break in the U.S. and I had to get it before the end of the year. And, and this young kid was my salesperson. You know, he did a great job. But, uh, you know, kind of understanding me and sort of trying to, you know, work work with me and really get me what I wanted. And, you know, that that was wonderful. And people really appreciate, you know, service. They really appreciate uh, customers that want to help them and that do a good job, but know what they're doing. Yes, definitely. So how do you measure trust? It's hard at one level because um, if you go up to people and say, do you trust me? They go, oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> right? They kind of tell you what you want to hear, right? Yeah. So we we sneak it in. Uh, we actually do it. We, we have this 360 assessment, which is an anonymous survey that goes out to your manager, peers, your direct reports, and others. And for the peers, direct reports, and others, that survey is anonymous. They don't know who said what. And we ask the question, is, is trusted by your colleagues and others around you? And, and we can measure it really accurately using that process mm-hmm. and also getting the assessments from about 13 different people. We can evaluate your level of trust. What's interesting is about 45% of the, of the data that we have, and we have 100,000, over 100,000 leaders in our database, uh, overrate their level of trust. <laughs> you know, when you when they their self rating is higher than the ratings from others, which basically is saying people think they're more trusted. Um, you know, about half of the people uh, think they're more trusted than they really are. Uh, the interesting thing is when we looked at men and women. Uh, men are much worse. <laughs> they, 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 they significantly rate their trust higher. Women rate their trust lower. They, they are much more likely to kind of be humble about their trust. Top managers overrate their level of trust. Supervisors don't. So it, it's interesting. That is very interesting facts. What's your interpretation of that? Well, part of it has to do with humility, right? And arrogance, right? So uh, women tend to be humbler. They tend, you know, life is tougher for them. Uh, let's face it. 
even though in our research, what we found when we compared men and women on leadership in general, women were better at 14 competencies than men, right? 14. We only measure 19 competencies. Men were only better at three, right? Uh, but women were better at 14 and, and they were uh, perceived as being a better leader overall. So uh, what's interesting about about this whole issue of males versus females and women is is that they tend to, you know, if you're choosing between a man and a woman for a job, uh, I'd say give the edge to the woman because if everything else is equal, women tend to be better leaders and more trusted. So interesting. Mm. Oh, well, being a female leader, I certainly uh, like that statistic and that recommendation. (laughs) How do you recommend repairing trust. So obviously anyone who doesn't deliver on the promise is not consistent and tarnishes a relationship, even if unintentionally. What do you do? So I think to start with, and and there's a chapter in the book on this, and we go through 12 uh, uh, steps, if you will, that are are, are things to do. But the the simple uh, solution, I think you have to start with the acknowledgement that you did something wrong. (laughs) If you can't do that, I mean, if you can't admit to the fact that, that you told a lie or that, that you were duplicitous or something like that, uh, you know, people, People can't change their perception unless they have, you know, some acknowledgement from from you that there was a problem. Uh, but the next step is is to start with the relationship. Uh, start working on the relationship. Pay attention to the relationship. You know, it's interesting. I, I looked at the data, and and there's two simple behaviors that can make a huge difference in your ability to to build a positive relationship. The first one is listening. <laughs> That's not very hard to do, right? But people don't do it well. And again, you know, pretending to listen, that doesn't work. Actually listening to people, and, and we, we wrote a recent article in the Harvard Business Review about listening, and we said, what's the better analogy for a good listener? Is it a sponge or a trampoline, <laughs> you know, right? And and the the sponge, you know, kind of metaphor is you just sit back and you'll, you know, just soak it, you, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And the, but the trampoline is that you know it, you bounce, right? And 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 it. But the better analogy is the trampoline. I mean, a lot of people think it's a sponge. You just sit there and nod your head and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of times they're not really listening. The trampoline is that. People say something and you you say, help me understand that a little better. You ask them questions and you you respond to what they're saying. That's how you tell you're being listened to. So that's the start is build the relationship. And then the consistency is the next thing, right? Uh, you know, come through on your promises. The big problem with consistency for most people is we overpromise and underdeliver, Right. <laughs> I mean, somebody walks into your office and says, can you do that tomorrow, by tomorrow? And you say, oh, sure, you know. <laughs> and then you, you know, jump into your work and you realize, I can't, uh, right? Or uh, what's worse is you don't realize, you forget. I mean, the amount of stuff we forget is phenomenal. So whenever you say, I'll do that, just 
hold back and say, can I really do that? Because it's those little things that drive people crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because what's interesting is when you promise, they never forget and you never remember, (laughs) right? (laughs) It seems so simple. What you're talking about is listening and commitment. It's, It's the basics and yet you have books and books on it and people are seeking help on it. And it's so fascinating that this is not rocket science, but yet so hard. Yeah, it isn't rocket science. And and as you think about these three things, you know, we'd say, how do you build trust? You build a positive relationship with another person, right? And you you, you think about that. And I think with customers, that is so true, isn't it? Kind of work on that relationship, spend some time with people. I mean, in call centers, we're timing people. Don't talk too long to a person. You know, I love it when on a call, you, you know, people are human. You know, they'll, 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 they'll kind of connect with you. That's worth a lot to a customer, right? And the second thing is, is expertise. Do you know your job? Do you know the answers to the questions? Do you have that mm-hmm. expertise that where you can give that right answer? Or are you just blowing smoke, right? And and so many people think they can sort of fake their way through it, and they can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, that third thing is consistency. Don't over-promise and under-deliver. Over-deliver and under-promise, right? Do what you say you're going to do. And don't, you know, if you can't deliver on that, I, when when people ask you to do things or can you do this by tomorrow, uh, you know, just make sure that you can. And it's a simple formula, really. So in measuring business, there's obviously the revenue and profitability and typical metrics. And then you have net promoter score, likelihood to recommend and effort. Do you recommend that trust be a metric that, that's part of all businesses? What's interesting uh, is there's a there's a trust some trust research by by a fellow by the name of Edelman, and what's interesting about Edelman's research is that he found, <laughs> and this is a change in the last couple of years, that businesses are more trusted than the government. They're more, you know, businesses are the most trusted entity, right? We trust businesses more than the government. Well, that's not a big surprise, is it, right? And and so as a business, if you fall into that category of we're trusted, we deliver on our promises, we come through, we do what we say we're going to do. And, and again, if you think about the businesses we trust, uh, it's these three things, right? We 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 do a good job of what we do, and we have expertise. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's a relationship with a business. If people are rude, or they treat you like a number, or they don't care, you know, you you really know about caring, don't you? And then the consistency, right? We will make it right. If it's wrong, we will make it right. We'll do everything we can. What's what's interesting in my research. Um, we looked at uh, engagement, mm-hmm. employee engagement, and we looked at the effect of having just one person that was unengaged in your team. <laughs> and, and what was fascinating to us is 
that a lot of times when you talk, when I talk to leaders and they, I, I look at their data and there's one person that's dissatisfied, they go, oh, you know, you can't please everybody all the time, right? Okay, it's okay. So, well, that feels true. But what happens is, is that we found that just that one person not trusting you had a significant negative effect on the rest of the team, right? Now, think about that with customers. What happens when you go through and you're reading reviews and there's one really negative review? All of a sudden, you you think, well, it's just one. There's hundreds, there's one, and yet it has an impact. It has an impact. And I think people need to recognize it's an overly weighted impact, but having that one negative review really can negatively affect your business because Mm -hmm. people read the reviews. Yeah, negativity is contagious. So it does absolutely matter. Well, as we're getting close to the end here, and I told you it goes fast, (laughs) what is the best (laughs) leadership advice that you have been given or that you've given to others? What, what's something someone can take away? This was, this was the thing we discovered. Um, we, what, what we, we looked at leaders and we found these great leaders, right? They were amazing. And, and when we first saw them, when we saw these great leaders, we thought they're perfect. Guess what? They're not. (laughs) But the thing we found about these great leaders was they did a few things really well. Mm. It wasn't the absence of weakness that made them great. It was the presence of a few profound strengths. They stood out. They stood out. They differentiated themselves. Now, what, 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 as you think about businesses, and you think about great businesses, right? Guess what? They're not perfect. They're not great at everything. They're great at a few things. They stand out on a few things. I, I think about Apple. This is a great company, you know, most profitable company in the, in the world. But are they perfect? <laughs> Evidently, they still can't make an iPhone that won't the screen won't break if you drop it. I, I don't know why. <laughs> You'd think they could do that, but they don't. You know, but they, so they're not perfect, right? But they're really good at a few things. They stand out on a few things. And because of that, mm. they get premium prices and premium recognition. And they're, they're, it's an amazing company. Mm-hmm. So as a leader... Can you be really, really good at a few things? And what can you stand out on? What's your leadership brand? How do you differentiate yourself? And, you know, as, as a business with customers, you don't need to be perfect. Hmm. They're not expecting perfection, but they, they, what you need to do is differentiate yourself in a few critical areas. Hmm. That is probably the best insight I've ever discovered. And it's a, it, it really is true. Fabulous. Agree. If I had tons of CEOs and entrepreneurs and leaders in my room right now, what's the one takeaway from everything you've researched, from everything you've 
studied and written about? Would it be about perfection doesn't exist and be great at a few things? Or is there something else even of greater weight? Well, I think um, the thing to remember as a leader is that your own perceptions are Mm -hmm. oftentimes wrong, you know? And we don't really, I I, I mean, you wouldn't trust, uh, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, if you, one of your direct reports came in and said, I, I, I think things are off here and we're, we're headed in the wrong direction. How do you know? Well, it's just my sense about things. You, know, you wouldn't trust that. You'd want hard data. Yeah. And what people need to understand, what leaders need to understand is that you need to get a, a, a pretty good evaluation from others. That's the only way you can know how effective mm-hmm. you are as a leader. It's it's the perception, because if you think about what is leadership, leadership is the ability to influence and lead others, not yourself, right? And so it's those perceptions by others that can help you understand how effective you are and how, you know, and your weaknesses, if you have some. Uh, you know, our advice to leaders is to build on your strengths, generally, unless yeah. you have a fatal flaw, so... Anyway. Yes. I actually went through a, a formal nine-month leadership program at my uh, last workplace, and they uh-huh. talked a lot about what do people say about you when you're not in the room? <laughs> yeah. And it's, right. a really, it's a really good topic in, in measuring that. Well, and, and knowing that, right, is, yeah. is, is that's, you know, is, do they think, well, he, that person's wonderful is kind of a kind of a jerk, <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and so understanding that, and, and, and that's, you know, we spend a lot of time helping people understand their level of leadership and where they're at. I mean, if you think about any journey, it starts with a clear sense of where you're currently at, right? It, yeah. That's why I like GPS, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's that you are here. Because you can't get to any place different if you don't know where you currently are. No. If you could go back to your younger 20-year-old self, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell younger Joe? Oh, gosh, that's a hard question. Uh, (laughs) When someday in the future, you'll be able to write. I, 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 uh, I hated writing my master's. I hated writing my dissertation. It was just painful. And, um, you know, 11 books later, I, I, I think I can do a reasonable job. Uh, you know, the other thing that's interesting that I would tell myself is, you know, that there's other people that can write better than you and listen to them. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I the first time I sent stuff to an editor, they brought it back and I, I'd written 10 pages. They gave me five back and I was so upset. And until I, I thought to myself and I said, yeah, I, I know I'm not a very good writer, so they are. So mm-hmm. I have good ideas. They can write them better than me, and 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 so now it's like uh, I, I write stuff, people edit it, and I'm like, great. <laughs> so you had to have trust in those writers 
to proceed. Yeah. Well, and it, it's the it's the acknowledgement that you're not you're you're not a great writer, and and yeah. on this current book, you know, it went through you know at least ten editors, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they change stuff. I mean, you do have an opinion and, and you have a point of view, but but it was listening to them. It was like, like letting them help me be better. And good grief, they none of those editors got any credit. I mean, what a terrible job, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I, you know, Stephen Covey, great writer in the field and and I, I know the person who who edited his first book and he keeps saying, I wrote that whole thing for Covey. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> well, he's trying to build trust and credibility. So everybody's fighting for that. They are. And and so, you know, it's 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 kind of, you know, other people can help you, let them. Yeah. Right. Yes. Other people can see you. Let them help you. Uh, you know that's a great. Uh, that's probably what I would have told myself. Don't be so upset when people don't like what you wrote. <laughs> well, thank you for being here, and I know people will want to get in touch. So in the show notes, I will have all of your information, your books, links, social media, and uh, yeah, thank you. And just a, a note, I'll be in Sydney uh, at the 1st of uh, May and uh, spending a week there. So I'm looking forward to it because it is so cold in Utah right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, I wish only warmth and wonderful things for you this year. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacy Sherman, Doing CX Right.